need forgive the most and that are the hardest to forgive are the ones around our dinner table. Does that make sense? Kind of butchered it a little bit there. But God's gifts are good. His declarations of who we are are true. We have to receive them. First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know what? Let's, let's do this together. Uh, if you understand a little bit about how the brain works, and I don't really, but I'm, I love to learn this kind of stuff. I love brain science, right? And there's this part of our brain in the front that will receive information that we can memorize, but this is not the part that has anything to do with how we live our lives. It's, it's why a person can know a lot up here and be a complete train wreck, in their life, okay? It's why I can know the right thing to do up here. TJ, there's a display of Der Dutchman donuts, the cream-filled ones, okay? I know in my head that that is not good for this. It's really good for this. <laughs> I know in my head you really don't want that, but why is it I can know it up here and yet I'm walking in over to get one, okay? That's because this part of the brain and this part of the brain need to be together because this part of the brain over here is the part that says, this is how you're really gonna act. Does that make sense? Now, here's what's amazing. I can memorize all the scripture in the world and have it right up here and it may not affect the way I live my life. So how is it, God, how do we get the information here over to here so that it comes out here? How do you do that? Well, there's actually some ways to do it. And, and one of the creative ways to do it is you, you make it real for you. You make this real for you. So, so what I have been practicing in my own uh, private times with the Lord is when I read scripture, two things. One, I read it out loud, okay? And two, I put my name in it. I make it written to me. So this is what it would look like. Thank you, God, the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. In your mercy, you've given me, TJ, a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See what I did there? I made it me. God gave TJ new birth into a living hope. You see what I did there? I took what was up here and I moved it over here. Music does that too. Music does that too. I don't know how many of you listen to praise and worship stuff in your car or the good old hymns. I don't care what you listen to. If it's about Jesus, it's good stuff, right? Music does that. It moves it from here over to here. Okay. Let's, so let's do this together, though. Let's at least read it out loud. I know this is a chunk of change, so I know I'm asking a lot of you. TJ, I didn't come here to read. I came here to listen. Well, I'm sorry. Anyway, let's read it together. If you, if you have the uh, NIV 1984, that's in your pew Bibles. That's the one I'll be reading from. So if you want to grab a pew Bible, we'll all be literally on the same page, and we can read. But uh, let's read out loud 
together just the uh, verses three. We're going to go all the way down to nine, okay? All the way down to nine. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow. That's what uh, my friend Josh would call the good stuff. Did you see how much was in there? We are given new birth into a living hope, and this living hope is kept and protected for us. So, so in other words, there's nothing that the world can do, nothing that others can do, no circumstance in my life can touch that living hope in Jesus Christ, kept in heaven for me, right? I, I even saw myself in there. You know, when, when the going gets tough, God is saying, yeah, TJ, you know what? The going is gonna get tough, but it's okay because I'm gonna use those tough times to refine your faith because all that gold and silver and those green dead trees that we care so much about really matter nothing, nothing. Paul calls the trials of this life nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. So I, I know, I, I mean, I, some of my brothers and sisters, even in this room, the things that you have gone through in your life, the trials that you are going through, I really want to take my shoes off. I feel like I'm on holy ground around you, okay? I don't want to trivialize the suffering of this world. I want to emphasize the glory of the next, I don't want to trivialize the suffering of this world, but I do want to emphasize the glory of the next. And, and Paul says that the glory that will be revealed in us, it blows away any suffering that we have to endure here and now. And, and God has made us even more than just conquerors. We're not just gonna endure suffering. God is going to use trials and grief of all different kinds to refine our faith. To, uh, as far as the darkness goes, he's weaponizing our faith. He's weaponizing our faith. He's bringing us to a place where we will go, and it's where we're headed, be salt 
and light in this world, this, this flavorless, insepid, dying world filled with darkness, right? But did you see yourself a little later on? Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you don't see him now, you believe and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Again, I go back to that receiving part. Folks, you are filled with joy, okay? Inexpressible and glorious joy, right? If Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your, Savior of your life, if you have come to the cross of Christ, if that's your new home, the cross of Christ, right? the place where you go to bring all your needs and to receive the resurrection power, where the blood of Christ has cleansed your sin and the water, the living waters now flow from you, okay? Then you are given the Holy Spirit of God. And that is the spirit of joy, inexpressible and glorious joy. Folks, the more I learn about my father, and, and that's, you know, earth is forgiveness school. Earth, earth is, is discovery God school. It really is. It, I, he, the, the, the more I learn about him, the more the conceptions I had as a child seem to fade away. Because I always pictured God, especially in my younger teen years, as um, angry at me right? I don't know why. Well, yeah, I do because, you know, there's right and there's wrong. And for some reason, (laughs) I know the right and the wrong, but it doesn't, you know. And so I think that, well, TJ, you've done this, you're a, you've done this, you're a, you've done this, you're a, you with me on that? Here's what's awesome about the mercy of Jesus Christ is it gives us a new picture of God. It gives us a clearer picture of God the Father, And God the Father is not an angry God. God the Father is a joyous God. He is filled with joy. He is filled with delight. Psalm 84, I've been sitting on that psalm. I'm not going to go back to it, but you should go and look it up. I've been sitting there because there's a, a part in it where it says, He will delight in you, and He rejoices over you with singing. It gives me, I've gotten getting goose pimples, just saying it. God the Father rejoices over us with singing. He sings over us. That is so cool. Where's my ears to hear it? Give me ears to hear it, Lord. Get the wax out. Get the sin and the selfishness and the self-centeredness of my life. Get the rotten stuff out of my ears because I can't wait to hear that song clearer. The more I get to know God the Father, the more I realize He is a joyous God and He's given us His Spirit, a spirit of inexpressible, inexhaustible and glorious joy. Now, here's the rub. I don't feel that joy. I'm just, well, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to try and paint a picture of TJ that's not true. Oh, TJ's got it all figured out. He's just joyous all the time, right? Uh-uh. Or at least I don't feel it. I am 
joyous because God's Holy Spirit of joy is in me. Now, that doesn't mean I'm happy Pollyanna. The boy goes to college and, you know, I cried a little bit. Barbie cried a little bit. Uh, It was good, you know, but I've just been down the rest of the week. And I think it's because I'm realizing that now I've got, you know, there was four women and two guys. And now there's one guy. I'm outnumbered, folks. I have the dogs on my side, but that's it. And they're not much help. Okay? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just, and, and, and it is, it's that, it's that good, he's transitioned. And, you know, it's, it's kind of that thing where even if, <laughs> Lord forbid, and he's always welcome, but if he were to have to come back and move in and go back down to my, his parents' basement, which to him is like anathema, it's like the worst thing ever. It's like the reverse of, I don't know, things have gone wonky because he's like, I will never move back to your basement. And I'm like, dude, it's okay. You know, it's just, if you have to, it's temperate. Home is a safe place to land. You always have a home with me, right? So, but anyway, if he comes back, it's still going to be different. You know what I mean? It's like that point that happened. I thought it was going to happen with a graduation party, and it didn't really happen, and now it's really happened, and I'm bummed about it. And so, Lord, where's my joy? Right? Where's my joy? And he says, it never left you. It never left you. Okay? So I say, well, Lord, I don't feel it. He says, that's okay. Guess what? I'm God of your feelings too. I'm God of your feelings. Guess what? I'm going to wait with you because I promised you I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So I'm not going to forsake you in the waiting. I'm not going to forsake you in the hard times. It's when I'm especially going to be there with you. I'm going to use this time. I'm going to refine your faith. I'm going to keep revealing to you who you truly are, the new birth, the living hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Guys, these are great times we live in because there is an awakening happening in the church. It's been slowly coming and slowly building. And I keep saying, Lord, when's it going to break? When's it going to break? It's like that, uh, well, we understand this because we live in Ohio. Um, you have a really hot day, Right? And then all of a sudden, dark clouds come. What's coming? What's, it's going to storm. You're going to get a storm. And this isn't a light drizzle rain. You know this, Ohio storms, right? When you have a really hot day and the clouds come in and you know at some point, boom, right? I remember the first year I was in Ohio and uh, realized how wonky strange your weather is that you can, I could literally have sun shining on me and rain at the same time. How does that work? But it does. I remember being in my house and I had windows facing out this direction and I could see the other side of the house. I had rain on this side, sun on this side. Where did I move? I don't know, but it's Ohio. But here's the thing. You know what's coming and you can feel it. When's it going to break? When's it going to break? And there's been an awakening in the church. And and there's been an awakening in the hearts of the people. There's been an awakening in me that keeps happening, keeps coming. And it's a beautiful thing because it is the sons and daughters of God awakening to their inheritance, awakening to what they were made for, to a beautiful, new, redeemed life in Jesus. Okay? And it couldn't come too soon. We need this. We need this because the world is dying for new birth. It's dying for new birth. You can see it all over the place. 
people are looking for what they are made for, who they really are. They're just going to the wrong places. They're going to the wrong places. We live in a world of self-medication. Everybody familiar with that term, self-medicating? So I go to a doctor and I say, doc, what's wrong? He says, well, TJ, you've got this wrong, take this, okay? The doctor has now medicated me. He's helped me and I take the medication and I'm, I'm good, usually, right? But, but what if I've got a condition and I don't have a doctor to go to or maybe I won't go to the doctor at all and I'll start going around to all these different things and I, I, I mean, I have the internet, so I'm practically a doctor, right? <laughs> I just go on to WebMD, you know, he- head to WebMD, stick my symptoms in, yeah, okay, I remember when I had ovarian cancer that time. It was horrible. It was, I, that, I shouldn't have done that. I, was, I don't jo- shouldn't joke about things like bad TJ. Anyway, you, you get the idea? You get the idea? Folks, you, you realize that, that we were created to uh, fill this longing, this desperate need that we have. We were made to fill that. We were made to fill it with Christ. That's what it was made for. It's a Jesus-shaped, it's a cross-shaped heart, a hole in our hearts, right? Okay, but the problem is we won't go there. It's the last place we want to go to. Because you see, when I go to the cross, it's offensive to me. We'll get to that in a second, hopefully, if I can get there. Um, so I don't want to go there. So where will I go? You name it, anything. I mean, you could look at the big boys, alcohol, drugs, you know, sex, pornography, um, uh, <laughs> food, anyone? Come on, who out? Thank you, Ralph, my brother back there. Anybody medicate with food? I never thought I did until I realized that when I have a stressful situation, Swiss cake rolls are not my friend. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but it's really an issue. <laughs> I know, you, but you, you realize that's what I'm doing. I'm stressed, I'm worried, I'm hurting, I'm lonely, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, whatever it is. And I was made for this. I was made to take those needs to the wounds of Jesus Christ. But instead, I take my needs and I try and fill them myself. And so I medicate. And I medicate rather than get healed. But it's a great time because we're awakening to the healing of Jesus. He never stopped healing. Never stopped healing. Okay? We're awakening to the healing of Jesus in our lives. And we need to because the world is dying for new birth. And the world is now in a crazy spot where it says, you medicate the way you want and that's what you were made for right? And so you can literally uh, wake up the next morning and completely reinvent yourself. Change your status on Facebook, you know, change a few pictures around. You're a whole new person, right? Make a new avatar, go to Bitmoji, all this good stuff, right? Or, or it can get a little crazier. It can get a little more heartbreaking where you wake up and you're not comfortable with who you are, the body that you have been given or the gender or whatever else it is and you can literally reinvent yourself and the world will say, that's okay, that's okay. You do you, right? Folks, I've done me. 
I do a really bad job. I need the one who made me to say to do me. You with me? The world is dying for new birth. It longs for it. But here we go, finally getting into the text. Turn to Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, page 683 in your pew Bibles. 683 in your pew Bibles. And let's just skip down to verse 10. Because here is the rub. Notice the very last beatitude that Jesus gives in this description of who we are. These are the sons and the daughters of God. This is what you were made for. These are descriptions. You see, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll hit the, the end of the sermon right now. Um, we were created for good works, right? But good works can only be good works if they flow from a good person, a good heart, a good son, a good daughter. So, so the primary focus of Jesus Christ is not in doing, it is in being. Because he understands that once you are, then you will do. But you can do all you want. And if it is not who you are, then you've gained nothing. Does that make sense? Do all the good works you want. If this isn't right, then two things, you will not benefit and your works will not be truly good. They might be nice. I think there's a lot of nice works out there, but good works are redemptive. Good works bless the giver and the receiver. Good works bring glory to God. So you can go out and do a lot of nice things, okay? You can raise a lot of money for a, not, a lot of nice causes. You can do a lot of charitable things out there. You can be a really nice person. But God did not give his son to be crucified and raised again to make nice people. It's something the church is going to have to wake into as well. We're not called to be nice. We're called to be good. The very last beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Greek word persecuted means pursued, hostile pursuit. So it's not just a one-time event. It is a hostile pursuit. Blessed are you when you're persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. I do want to qualify the because of righteousness part. It's not just blessed are you when you're persecuted. I remember uh, first, uh, was it the first job? Yeah, it was. It was the first job I had in New England. Um, did grunt work at a hospital. Loved it. Good stuff. And uh, worked alongside a lot of really nice and interesting people. Anyway, um, uh, I, I remember after a couple weeks working there, uh, they found out I was going to seminary and, oh, you're going to be a, actually, most of them thought I was going to be a priest. I'm like, nope, I'm married, you know, it's a preacher. So, oh, okay, you're going to be a preacher. Okay, I get it. And then they were kind of confuzzled because there was another worker there who uh, made their faith very uh, public. And, and it wasn't that I didn't make my faith public. It was the way in which I made it public. And I, I came to realize early on that this person did not have a lot of friends there. 
And I think, and, and again, I'm not throwing a brother or sister, I'm not even going to tell you what gender they were, I'm not going to throw a brother or sister under the bus here, because I think this was their flaw. They kept trying to uh, think that people outside the church should act like people inside the church. You know what I'm saying? So they would get very frustrated when the language was bad and the jokes were coarse and when things, uh, when complaining would happen and, and when backstabbing would happen and all this stuff. They would get very frustrated because they thought that the pagans should act like the sons and daughters, okay? And, and they couldn't wrap their brain around, no, they, they need to have Jesus, right? Okay? Don't, again, God's not here to make a moral nation, God's here to make a kingdom, okay? So uh, you get that idea and, oh, well, TJ, well, so this person had a lot of problems and didn't have a lot of friends. And in retrospect, they brought a lot of it on themselves. I don't mean to be mean, but let's be honest. I know a lot of jerk Christians. And you're not being persecuted because of Jesus. You're being persecuted because you're a jerk. And people don't like jerks right? I mean, if I go and I hold up a sign that says, God hates fags, and then people are mean to me, oh, I'm just being persecuted for the... No, you're not. You're being persecuted because you're a jerk. And in all honesty, you're putting forth a false impression of my God. That really kind of makes me mad. So good on you, Harley guys, who would go to the... Rev up their engines anyway. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, pursue you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Notice in verse 11 here, I would venture that all three statements are, but if you wanted to say that persecution would be uh, intrinsically physical, I'll grant you that one. But even if I do that, I would say two out of these three have to do with this thing right here. Did you notice that? when people insult you, when people say false kinds of evil against you. Folks, let's just, let's just admit it. Words hurt. They do. They wound. Okay? So, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, pursue you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, a couple of things that are just plain obvious. This last beatitude is the only one that's given an extension on it, right? He doesn't go into details uh, about, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit or the comfort. He doesn't expound on them. But this last one, Jesus expounds on because I think he wants us to really understand because we have a natural, I don't know what it is, there's something in me that says, if I'm a good person, I should be treated like a good person. A fairness, is that fair? What is that in me that wants, is it, I don't wanna say justice, that sounds too noble. You know, it's really, I just want what's fair. And if I treat you nice, you should treat me nice. If I'm a good person, good things should happen to me. God wants to dispel that notion. He wants you to, to just, just stop it. Just get rid of it. Burn it down now. You need to understand that if you are a son and daughter, if you are trying to pursue holiness, if you're pursuing the Holy Spirit, then folks, 
To some, you will be the aroma of life. To others, you'll be the stench of death. Let's go to that passage that I just mentioned right there. Thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. Who is equal to such a task? That question at the end is, no one is equal to such a task except Christ himself. Okay? So you get the point there. Our strength doesn't come from us. It comes from him. Okay? But understand that sons and daughters of God, living, well... The word martyr, right, means witness. What are we witnesses to? We are witnesses to the power of Jesus Christ to give us new birth. To give you new birth. That is a transformed life. It's not just a a habit control or a different set of rules to follow or a nice way to live. It is a completely new life. That's why the, the arguments of our culture, which there's no scientific proof one way or the other that people are born certain ways. Okay, that's fine. You can be born whichever way you want. I mean, I, I'll even concede that argument, though I don't, I really don't, there's no science, but I'll concede you're born a certain, okay, fine. You know what? There's new birth. There's new birth in Jesus. I, I hate, you know, it's, Chris, why do you have to come up with that prayer request? You know, because we talk about persecution of the American churches. And how does that even compare? You know, although I, in, in a weird way, I'm almost envious because I, I've told you this story. The Sunday, one of the Sundays that I spent in India, I remember Pastor Sajay getting up and he said, we need to pray because 10 churches, it was either seven or 10, I'm getting my memories going bad. It was seven or 10 churches were burned over the weekend in New Delhi. Seven to 10 churches were burned over the weekend in New Delhi. And I just felt my heart sink. But his next words we need to pray for those persecuting the church. Pastor Saji, what about our brothers and sisters? What about those whose lives are literally on the line? Pastor Saji's faith was rock stinking solid. He, Pastor Saji's like, man, I got this. What are they going to do to me? I don't fear those that can kill the body. I don't fear those that can take my life or the life of my family. We're in Jesus Christ. I really don't take the sufferings of this world and compare them to the glory of the next. I mean, here's a rock solid faith. Here's my brothers and sisters who are living in a country openly hostile to Christianity with a president that said, I'm going to get rid of Christianity in the 2020s, right? I mean, they're living that and yet their faith rock solid. Here's mine over in the United States and, you know... How do you compare the two? I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. I gave you that for free. I didn't even know where I was going with it. Yeah, I'm just going to be honest. Later on in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus will again under this idea of, if you follow me, don't expect roses and chocolates from the people around you. Don't expect your life to be great, at least not the way the world sees it. You come to the cross of Christ, your life will be great. And he will always come through and he will always provide. But it won't look like the American dream, whatever that is even more anymore. A student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. And that's talking about Christ. So if Christ came and didn't have what I would call an easy life, why would I expect the same for me? Here's what Christ did do, however. He fought for the dignity of those that hated him. We are called to do the same. We are called to fight for the dignity of those that hate us. What does that look like? I I, I don't know. It's completely conditional on the situation and the circumstance. You need the Spirit of God in you, leading you, okay? I, I, I love the, the, the place that the Lord is bringing his bride because it is a place of absolute dependency. So when you're in a conversation with someone and it's going south and you don't know what to do, say a prayer. Holy Spirit, you promised that when I don't know what to say, you will. And so give me your words to say your words of love and truth, love and truth. Our truth should be drenched in love because his truth, the truth was drenched in love. Christ came to fight for the dignity of those that hated him, for those that treated him disrespectfully, poorly, He fought for their dignity. We are living in a culture that is becoming increasingly more hostile to the truths of the core of the gospel. And really, it has nothing to do. You can say God all you want. You can say Jesus all you want. They've almost diluted that down to nothing. But if you actually say, no, Jesus will change your life. That's, that's the sticking point. That's it. That is the core truth of the gospel, and it is the one thing that our culture cannot tolerate. Because if there is a way to have new birth, then it should be on my terms, right? I mean, it's a free country. Man, we don't don't get this in the church. Why do we expect those outside the church to get it? In the church, we want salvation on our own terms. In the church, we want Christ without the cross. We uh, uh, we, We want new life without confession. We want redemption without death of the old self. Jesus said, 
you want new, the seed has to go into the ground and die first. We are called to be salt and light. We didn't even get to that part. We're going to go on. I've, I've burdened you enough with Matthew chapter 5. But understand something about salt and light. Because that's what we're called to be. And Jesus' admonition is, when salt loses its saltiness, what's it good for? By the way, salt cannot lose its saltiness. Salt is a chemical formula. What is it, folks? Come on, remember your days? There we go. Sodium chloride, right? So when salt loses its saltiness, it's not salt. If something can lose saltiness, it ain't salt. So Jesus kind of gives us a little paradox there. But when it does, when you're not preserving, when you're not flavoring, when you are not the aroma of Christ, then what good are you? When, when light no longer illuminates, what good is it? Folks, I look out on my brothers and sisters, and I think Jesus said, guys, we are the salt of the earth. We are a city on a hill. But you cannot give light that's not yours. In fact, really, we are, we are the moon. We are not the sun. You understand the difference? The sun brings forth its own light. The moon just reflects it. We're the moon reflecting the light of Christ. Question is, what phase are you in? Brother Keeney, he's got this camera. He's been taking moon shots. 46 years of my life, I've been trying to get shots of the moon. Never like this, you know, he's like National Geographic level over there. And he wants to get the moon in all of its different phases. What phase are you in, folks? What phase are you in? Because Christ is shining on you full bore. Full bore. I'm going to pray. And then uh, Sue's going to come up. She's going to play a little bit on the piano as we're dismissed. I'm going to pray and you're dismissed. But as I've been doing, I'm going to come right over here to the foot of the cross. Because this is where the new life begins. And by the way, I, I'm all about the already and the not yet. I'm all about paradox. So I am holy and sanctified, and I still need to come to the cross all the time. Okay? I am filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Oh, Lord, I need more joy. You with me on that? So if you are here this morning and you just need some prayer, you need some time with Jesus, then come and join me at the foot of the cross. Let's pray. Father God, you have made us to be something much more than we could ever believe or hope. You have made us to be salt and light in our marriages and in our families. Oh Lord, let us bless the others in our life in our friendships, at our work, at our schools, wherever we are. God, teach your people to protect the dignity of those that hate us, to return their insults with love, to return hate with the goodness and the joy and the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, we need that. Help us to be transformed to have that new birth, that living hope. Father, your church is ready. 
and she's waiting. And we're, we're desperate for you. So continue to do your work, Lord. Continue to open our eyes and our hearts. God, give us ears to hear that singing over us. Father, we lay it all down before you. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. And Father, teach us to pray as our brothers and sisters in decades past have, pay, have prayed and as your son was the first example to pray for those that hate us, those that hurt us. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Lord, help us because this is too big for us. Who is up to this task? You are. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Come and join me or you are dismissed. God bless you.